Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We have a great show for you guys today. Our special guest is Paul Meatsauce Lambert from KFAN. He helps us break down Super Bowl 58 with the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Also, we talk about the new recent hire, Marcus Dixon, for this Minnesota Vikings team and what that means for our defense as well as the entire team going forward. And we wrap today's show talking about something fun. And I'm talking about the Vikings team name. It was voted as the best team name in the NFL. Here are our thoughts on that and today's show coming right up. Hope you enjoyed today's show. A dawn of a new season is upon us as we welcome you inside the TCO Radio Studio for the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. Tatum Everett, she's out today. However, Jay Nelson is here and our producer Eric Davidson is here. And I won't say our guest is uh, filling Tatum's role. He's just a, an added asset to what we're doing today. And I'm talking about our guy, Mr. Paul Meat Sauce Lambert from KFAN. Meat Sauce, I'm, I'm going to just call you Sauce. Uh, for fans who already know who you are, but thank you for joining us. One, two, I, I, I guess similar to last year, I was following you closely on Twitter slash X, just just hearing and trying to see what your Super Bowl lifetime responses were. And as always, that did not disappoint. What, what were your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, thanks for having me. I thought it was uh, a game for the ages, and I'm still convinced that half, of both teams didn't know the overtime rules. Like if you watch that, that McCole Hardman game winning touchdown, I don't think he knew he caught a game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, which is something as every kid always thinks about their whole life. And anybody who plays sports thinks about catching a touchdown or hitting a home run or whatever it is. And you're in the last game of the season. I mean, we've seen, this is maybe an old reference, but, Joe Carter hit that home run in game seven of the world series, which I think is the only walk-off game winner in world series history. And he acted like it. Hardman acted like it was just a routine second week of the season touchdown, but it was an awesome game. The super bowl is always the best, but the only problem with the super bowl is it just means it's the end of the season. Yeah. The one thing I thought about with the Michael Hardman, like in the moment when I saw it, the fact that he kind of threw the ball away and then mm-hmm. went to celebrate, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Grab that ball. You, that is a memento. You have to keep that, that thing. And that's, that just kind of goes to what you're talking about. I think he really did not understand like what happened in that moment. Yeah. And I, as Tony Romo, who, you know, he's very polarizing. I thought he picked the wrong time to tell everybody like, Hey, listen, they're not hurrying because if the clock ends, it just goes to a second quarter or whatever, which I don't think a lot of us knew, but they kind of botched that whole thing. But I think a lot of the players on the 49ers are like, we had no idea that that's how overtime ended. It's weird that a wonderful organization that is the NFL, I mean, I had no idea until they tweeted at the very end of the game how overtime in the Super Bowl and the playoffs worked. I mean, it's it's one of those things where for 
people inside the building or people that that know the game or that I guess are rubes of the game, you would say that a coach should know to tell their team the rules. Like that's what we sign up for. You get paid a lot of money to do so. But but still to to you and Jay's point, the the Miko Hartman touchdown celebration kind of in my opinion was the my overall theme of the Super Bowl. It just didn't feel like a big game, right? Like, you know, there was a lot of entertainment around it. Uh there's people talking about, you know, thanks to Usher for allowing two football teams to participate in this concert. Yeah. But still, like, it just didn't feel like the actual Super Bowl, if you if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. And even in the first half, we, you know, we're used to, and these offenses did nothing all season most of the time, but run up and down the field. You have, I mean, you put that team, the Chiefs and the 49ers, and you made it into one offense, I think they beat any defense ever created. That's how amazing some of those offensive skill position players are but the, the first half was kind of a snoozer the commercials were the best part of the first half the thing for me sauce that i was thinking about in that first half too was the amount of turnovers you know like there was a bunch of turnovers in this yeah. game and i think maybe guys got a little skittish you know it's the whole thing of squeezing the ball just a little too tight you know kind of a deal and and to see kind of guys who were fairly sure-handed during the regular season putting the ball on the ground over and over again i kind of attributed maybe that was why it was as low scoring as it was in the first half but i I, in general to me the it really didn't ramp up until you basically got to like the last three minutes of the third quarter and then you're like all right well we're gonna see if we get a sprint to the finish here and you know if anything, it was kind of crazy to think about how important the kickers were in this game, just bombing, you know, 50 plus yard kicks repeatedly. Uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on, on uh, Moody and, and, and Butker at this point and how they played in that game? Well, I think there's a lot of people who think Butker should have been the MVP. I mean, he, we have, Moody kicks that uh, Super Bowl record field goal, and then about eight real-time minutes later, Butker kicks the other one that makes it the, the record even longer. I think the, the Kansas City Chiefs kicker should have won the MVP. I mean, other than the last drive, it wasn't a Patrick Mahomes-esque game. And as we also saw... Chris Jones, the defensive lineman for the Chiefs, he went multiple times, was in the face of that offense that screwed up their timing, but both the kickers were ice cold in that game in a good way. Yeah, you look at that and (laughs) you you can tell that all three phases of the game wins you championships, offense, defense, special teams, and that's something that the Chiefs did. You know, they, they were very good defensively. We saw how young their defense was and then on our offense they got Pat Mahomes and then we just talking about Harrison Bucker their kicker for for this Vikings team when you look at the the two teams that were in the Super Bowl this year the Chiefs and the 49ers what can the Vikings learn from experiencing Super Bowl 58 in your opinion uh, that's a great question um I think you can learn when you look at both teams I think you can learn a lot about from each team I think the Vikings with the 49ers if you take the 49ers for example the Minnesota Vikings have a similar style offense they any uh Justin Jefferson is better than any wide receiver the Vikings have and Kittle and Hopkinson are about the same quality I think you could argue from both sides that you could take one over the other their offensive line with that left side of the San Francisco 49ers offensive line is really good Christian Derrissaw is a soon to be if not already a stud left tackle but I think the thing that the Vikings need to learn and this is my opinion is We saw a a Kansas City Chiefs team years ago in 2017 say, you know what, we keep winning 9, 10, 11, 12 games a season with Alex Smith. Mm. But you know what, 
that's not good enough. We're going to go up and get our guy. And I think that's something the Vikings can learn from. And I think as we go forward in the draft process, which is 73 days from today, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, not that I'm keeping track, but let's just say I know what it is, is that you can't be afraid because a pass misses to go get your guy. Quarterback or not, I think the Vikings need to make a couple of big splashes in the, in the NFL draft where you can get players that are on cheaper deals and you can maybe find a guy that can lead you to the Super Bowl. Because Kansas City, it wasn't like Kansas City was 6-11 and with Alex Smith. They were winning games. And I think that's something the Vikings can learn. And I think something, another thing the Vikings can learn is you need a dominant running game. They have it with Christian McCaffrey. And I think that's something else the Vikings can find. Yeah, Alex Smith, 50-26 and 26 in his career with the Kansas City Chiefs. That, that's crazy. And they moved on from it. (laughs) True. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like for them, you know, I think one of the aspects of this whole thing to me is it's been interesting to think about how the narrative on Andy Reid has changed since he's come to Kansas City. I think there were a lot of people that felt like, yeah, I just, I think there was a lot of people who felt like he didn't get to where he needed to be or that he wasn't good enough when he was in Philly. And then he gets to Kansas City and all of a sudden they start putting something together and then he gets paired with a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is, you know, otherworldly at this point. And just having both of those guys together, to me, feels like Andy Reid has really solidified what I think a lot of the naysayers were saying prior to him coming to Kansas City, kind of like almost like he was a cast off at that point to get to Kansas City. What do you think, you know, kind of his thoughts are in this point? He's been in the league now for 19 years, five Super Bowl appearances kind of thing. Like he it feels to me like he really has changed kind of the narrative on who he is as a coach. I think you could argue Andy Reid is the best coach to coach football. I think one of the things you can also look at with Andy Reid is that he has found a way to not dictate all of it. And we hear a lot about the way that Kansas City operates is some of these guys are like, hey, we thought of this while playing Madden or we thought of this over the weekend. Can we try this? Like that corn dog play, as they call it, to win the game. Andy Reid is just super relaxed. He trusts in his players. He trusts his quarterback. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches in any level can learn from. I think you just see how, like, Andy Reid has gotten this team so good where, I I mean, you ask a casual football fan, I don't think they could tell you a, every wide receiver on that team. Like, they are just so good with that. Now, the quarterback helps. but. I think the relaxing and letting the quarterback kind of play his game and dictating the way he wants to keep it going, I think has helped immensely. I I think that the tyrant is maybe the wrong word, but the Bill Belichick where you're in control of everything, I don't think works as well as the Andy Reid just kind of like, all right, I trust my guys. If it doesn't work, you know what? We have Patrick Mahomes. We'll probably do it again. But trusting in your guys is a big thing Andy has learned, and it's worked in spades. Yeah, that's a, those are really good points. And just looking at he's trusting young guys to do their jobs also is, is something that I feel like is kind of underrated because when you look at that defense and you look at Steve Spagnolo, and for Andy Reid to have the, in my opinion, the humility to have Steve Spagnolo to run the defense, to say, hey, you got that, and I trust that you're going to get those guys in the right position to be able to play championship ball, I believe that says a lot. And in my opinion, I think that's what Kevin O'Connell has done with Brian Flores to bring a, a B-flow in, a former head coach, a guy with the alpha alpha mentality to say, look, 
I know everything that's you know kind of surrounded your name. You've been a head coach in the league. I want you to just take control of the defense, and I'll take control of the offense even as the head coach. I believe that says a lot about this team. But when you look at just the offense, defense, and special team side of the ball for this Minnesota Vikings team, with that 11th overall pick, at what position do you think they should go younger with to start things out in the draft? I mean, it's quarterback. I just – I even with or without Kirk Cousins, I think even if you bring Kirk Cousins back, I think we've seen – you know, you look around the division and you look at a team like uh, like the Green Bay Packers. They took a quarterback when they didn't – need one that if you put if you put together a list in that 2020 draft the players the Packers needed I would bet quarterback would be next to kicker and punter for first round picks and they took one I think it's quarterback I think if you bring Cousins back you take one because Cousins isn't going to play six more years if if Cousins doesn't come back you're gonna you're really gonna need one but I think you can stay at the 11th pick and I think maybe you maneuver up to maybe the ninth pick to maybe make sure a team like Denver doesn't get ahead of you even though you're ahead of them anyway but I just think you might have to maneuver a tad but I think your guy is J.J. McCarthy I think you find a way to J.J. McCarthy and if he has to play now I think he can win a few games I think C.J. Stroud has changed totally what teams are going to do at quarterback C.J. Stroud is a top 12 quarterback already. And there are a lot of teams who thought when they traded from 12 to three to get Will Anderson Jr. last year, the team they traded with was probably like, well, this is going to be great. We might get the number one overall pick with this trade and Houston won their division and went to the playoffs. So I think young quarterbacks can play and I think they can play right away. And I think that's your option for the Vikings at pick 11. Sauce, I know one of the things that you absolutely love is draft season and even free agency. Like if you had to pick free agency or draft, what is your baby? What would you absolutely (laughs) be able to not do without uh, if you had to choose between the two? Uh, It's funny you ask me that because today on the fan is the preposterous statement tournament. (laughs) This is not a preposterous (laughs) statement. I live by this. You can ask my wife. I would watch the NFL draft over a regular season uh, game of any team in Minnesota, including the Vikings. If you said you could watch the Super Bowl or the NFL draft and the Super Bowl didn't include the Vikings, I would pick the NFL draft. I have loved the NFL draft since 1998 when the Minnesota Vikings got Randy Moss. I remember following it kind of on TV. It was before the internet was what it is today. It was like a two-day event they had it saturday and sunday and i the only thing i love more than the nfl draft is is my wife that's about <laughs> it i love the nfl draft i wish it was i wish it was sooner i just i think it's wonderful you can watch teams put together i think it's amazing how the the just the subterfuge of it leading up to it i, I love the trading it's just it's a wonderful event and the nfl and mel kuyper have made it the best event ever and it's a scandal it's on primetime TV. True. That's how great of an event that is, if that answers your question. Oh, for sure. And honestly, Sauce, you were talking about that 98 one. I remember where I was when that happened because I was sitting with uh, some friends at a uh, at a bar chomping on a burger and it was on the tv and trying to explain to them like why it it mattered you know why it was something that right why i was staring at the tv instead of having the conversation that we were (laughs) as you know picks were coming off the board and then you know we all know what happened in that 98 uh picking randy moss and we were just like oh boy you know what do we what do we got here kind of a thing but i do just like you said that one was was stuck in my mind too as kind of a pivotal moment for this franchise i mean you 
even, I don't mean to keep using this point, but like you go back to the Houston Texans, like they were a team that people thought would be a bottom of the barrel team. Now, is it a one hit wonder? Maybe D'Amico Ryan's helps a ton. He's a stud of a football coach, but two pick, two picks changed that entire franchise in one season. That's the beauty of the NFL draft. You can do that in free agency, but you get a young guy that clicks right away and can be a dominant player. The NFL draft can do wonders for a lot of teams. It can also sink a team, which makes it even more fun. Ooh, that's a hot take, and I love it. I, I just look at the date that we're recording this podcast, February 14th. We are 70 days away until the NFL draft, and there has never been a rookie quarterback that has led his team to the Super Bowl. Maybe that is this year in the 2024 NFL draft sauce. I will hopefully, just based off of your enthusiasm, be watching the draft beside you this year because I, I need to feel the energy that you feel because the draft is kind of, I, I got mixed emotions, but maybe you can change that. But appreciate you joining us today. Of course, you guys are the best anytime. That was Paul Meat Sauce Lambert from KFAN. Just a pleasure having him on the show today. But Jay, this is a podcast where, you know, we do get to talk about the Vikings, but still we didn't get a chance to talk about, you know, just our initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. And for me, we talked a little off air of just – I just didn't feel like it was a, a big game. Yeah, you got, you know, the first time a team has won uh, back-to-back Super Bowl champions in, since, I guess, in over 19 years. And the only – I guess the Chiefs are the ninth team ever in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls. Yeah. But still – I guess watching that game, I was like, oh, oh, like they just won the Super Bowl. Like this mm-hmm. is this isn't just a, a regular AFC, NFC matchup week eight. Yeah. I, I, you know, we've we talked about it last week on the show that the Super Bowl has almost turned into a production now where the the everything around it is bigger than the game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Super Bowl, the game matters. It is the reason we're there. It's the reason why everything else is going on is this game. And to me, watching that game through the first three quarters, there was a lot of stuff that happened, but there was also a lot of mistakes. And all of a sudden it felt like once you got to like the last two, three minutes of the third quarter and then pushed into the end of the game, everything was on the table. The stakes were raised immensely because of how tight things got. I mean, you had turnovers in the first half. You had the muffed uh, punt that went off the guy's heel. And then all of a sudden that completely flipped everything on its head because the whole feeling with the Niners was – they were in control of that game. Yeah. You know, Kansas City couldn't do anything, but the Niners did not put them away. And that's, we've talked about it repeatedly. I was texting with a friend of mine who lives in the Bay Area at a Super Bowl party where everyone else at the party was a Niners fan and he was not. And, <laughs> and, and it got to the point where it got, you know, super tight and the Niners ended up taking the lead. And uh, he's just like, yeah, everyone here is going nuts. I said, have they, do they remember Patrick <laughs> Mahomes? Because, we all know what this guy can do. I saw a stat yesterday saying in the history of like gotta have it last drives, mm-hmm. he is a perfect seven for seven when it comes to those wow. kind of moments. Wow. He's the only quarterback to be perfect in a you need a drive to win a game in a playoff type atmosphere and he's a perfect seven for seven that guy is as cold-blooded as you can find and so to me that was when I was watching it at the end of the game what I was intrigued by was going like can he do it again you know Tom Brady's had mess ups these Mm -hmm. other guys have had mess ups he's been now perfect in his career at the age he's going to be what 29 coming up here 28 29 this guy is he's he really is he's he's on that Tom Brady if not another level mm-hmm. and um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen the, the, the Chiefs 100% earned it 
And uh, that game to me was it was very fun at the end just to see how everything everything ramped up. It can be a, a boring game for three quarters, yeah. and everything comes down to the fourth quarter, and then it's just amazing to watch what happened. It, it almost felt scripted. Right, like hey, the, we go back to it again. <laughs> the NFL script makers were going, "Hey, we got to have the drama at the end of the season." <laughs> like for for Pat Mahomes to get the ball in the last drive of the game in overtime to win a Super Bowl yeah. and to do it with the play that Andy Reid hasn't called in over two years, like to a guy like Miko Hartman who predicted that he'll be playing the 49ers when he was a Jet before he got traded to mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs mid year. Like it just the script writers were in their bag this week and just thinking about. <laughs> Uh, Pat Mahomes being able to will his team to another victory to everyone's point of saying, well, I hate the Chiefs or like, screw those guys. Like, you have to respect greatness. The fact that he's doing this year in and year out, and to your point, only 28 years old, like this is this is one of those things that we may not see again for another few decades after Pat Mahomes retired. Well, we said the same thing about Brady. You know, now we got Patrick Mahomes. And I've heard some people debate and say, is this something now that is going to be more regular than 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 we have experienced in the past. I don't know. Um, I I think there's so much parity in this league and there's so many good players, but one thing that cannot be denied is that those two teams have had the AFC on lockdown for the last two decades at this Mm -hmm. point. And, and I don't think barring something major happening to either Mahomes or even an Andy Reid retiring or something like that, that's going to completely derail that. I think, you know, kind of what we talked about earlier, the idea with Andy Reid is that, when you pair somebody who has the history that he does in this league with a guy who is at the talent level that a Mahomes is, and then if you really think about it, you know, he talked about it too, or uh, us talked about it too with, with the wide receivers. They're fairly nondescript. There's names there. There's Mikkel Hardman's there. There's yeah. Valdez Scantling. And then you got a Rache Rice there on, you know, as the rookie kind of coming in here, and he's showing some really good flashes. But if you really think about it, you have Mahomes at quarterback, you have Kelsey at tight end, and you have Pacheco slash Jarek McKinnon in the running back position. Those three positions are the thing that I really think led this team. And then Mahomes just elevating those wide receivers. And I kind of feel the same thing happened in New England with Tom Brady outside of your Julian Edelman types. You had your Gronks and you had soup du jour for the running backs there at, at the Patriots at the time. But everyone did their job surrounded by an absolute ace at quarterback. So to me, I, I don't feel like the Chiefs are going anywhere anytime soon. And what I'm really nervous about is the fact that if the Chiefs do either in free agency or in the draft find a true number one wide receiver, oh my gosh. that just unlocks them again like they used to have with Tyreek Hill. So I, I'm I'm super interested to see what happens this offseason. And it's just hard for me to think at this point of anyone else, you know, being able to chase them down outside the Bills making another jump or the Dolphins making another jump at this point. And who knows what Houston's going to turn into? They have a a great young core, but I think the parity in the AFC is going to be very difficult and that you you have to try to knock the king off the hill and that's going to be the the chiefs for the foreseeable future really good point i, th- I think just from my, my last take on the super bowl is a question that i asked sauce of you know what should the vikings learn from super bowl 58 well i think you have to learn that if you run the ball effectively you can win big games this was a san francisco 49ers team run offense that was fourth best in the nfl coming into this game averaging almost 140 yards per carry when you look at the second half alone for this 49ers offense, they only had 35 rush yards. Mm-hmm. They ended the game rushing for less than four yards per carry. 
The Kansas City Chiefs on the other end, they're not even a top 15 run offense. They have more rushing yards than the 49ers this game. They had 130 rushing yards, and they averaged over four yards per carry. So I believe if you really want to put teams away, to your point of like, why couldn't the 49ers put a team away? Well, they couldn't run the ball effectively. And when you run the ball effectively, one, it makes the defense tired. Two, it keeps the clock going. Three, it forces the other team to be a little bit more discombobulated when they get the ball back because they understand that they have to score the ball immediately in a certain time frame if they want to be successful. So that's why I think running the ball was so much more effective and so much, in my opinion, it was it was a very underrated stat when it came to why the Kansas City Chiefs beat the 49ers at Super Bowl 58. You just literally described the final drive of the Super Bowl in mm-hmm. overtime. That mm-hmm. was that was what got them there. They were doing dink and dunk passes and everything. They weren't throwing any bombs, yep. but they were just battle of attrition, smash you in the mouth every single play, and they're gashing them for four, five, six, seven yards of play mm-hmm. and just kind of marching down the field. And then when they needed, they ran a couple of basic screens or seam passes in order to just move that ball within scoring position and ultimately that, that Hardman play. You know, early in the game, I think that was the thing that you saw McCaffrey and those guys ripping off bigger chunks on the ground. And I think that's why it felt like the the Chiefs were on their heels, that they just Chris Jones and those guys were not getting the pass rush that they wanted. But then all of a sudden you saw like second half Spagnola, whatever he (laughs) saw. You saw in certain plays where whether they wanted to try to run screens or just the typical ones where they would dump it off to either Debo or McCaffrey as a screen and just get him in open space and let him go. All of a sudden, there were four people in that space recognizing exactly what that play was just from the formation. As soon as the ball was snapped, it's like that defender standing right in front of where the running back's going to be. Those two defenders are standing where the blockers are going to be. Like they understood what was happening. And I think that was the deal in the fourth uh, quarter and overtime that it felt like the chiefs had finally figured out the puzzle and were just kind of marching as they needed to. Yeah. They made the game of football look simple, right? Just run the ball short, pass the ball short, get a couple of yards and just keep building until you get to that end zone. So I guess it goes to the fact of, you know, football isn't rocket science. Just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers and let them make plays. And, uh, ultimately, if you have the right coaches, you can win some games in this league. And I think that's the thing for the the public. They see it as as simple as it looks, you know, play for play. Yep. Just to think about how many <laughs> hours and years of lives go into all the game planning and stuff. And honestly, what it turns into is offense versus defense. Get the right matchups you want in offense. And if you can get into playmakers' hands and let them do what they're doing, that is where the specialty of each of those superstars comes out. And that's what makes it so exciting is to be like, you can understand that all 22 people on the field understand what's happening right now. But one of those players that has the ball in their hand is going to do something spectacular that's going to make everyone say, wow. And yeah. and that that is what I truly feel like when you see like the McCaffrey touchdown where he got out in space and, and kind of ripped through a couple of tackles to get to that touchdown. That's one of those moments where you go, man, that guy's special. And I think that's what makes the game of football fun to watch. Coaches, players, GMs, front office, just so many different aspects go into a team winning games. And uh, it, it's a, it starts from the bottom, right? You have to start from the bottom with your players, with your staff, and ultimately get to that ultimate goal. And for me, I think that's what the Vikings are doing right now with their coaching staff. They just hired Marcus Dixon from the Denver Broncos, who was a defensive line coach last year for the Denver Broncos, the last two years in Denver. The Vikings just hired him as their defensive line coach, and also they added outside linebacker coaching duties to Mike Pettin's title. Mike Pettin, who was already here with the initial Kevin O'Connell scheme, assistant head coach here. Mm-hmm. 
uh, just a a class act guy one, but someone that players are familiar with. And I think having that continuity um, and adding what he has already done in this league, being a former defensive coordinator in Green Bay, I think that will ultimately help not only this defense, but this entire team. So happy to have Marcus Dixon in our stable now with this Minnesota Vikings team and then actually have Mike Pettin have some, I guess, extra added duties onto his plate going into the 2024 season. Your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, the thing about that's interesting for me on, on the Pettin side is if you've listened to him sit down in his one-on-one interviews with Paul Allen, that guy is so cerebral. Yeah. Like, he is constantly thinking of trying to find ways to put people in the right position and to get something extra out of his play, you know, out of players in general, especially defensively. So to have a guy like Pettin get some of the extra duties there, it's not surprising on my end to think that they they would want to lean on a guy like that that has so much experience to try to see if they can, you know, take this defense to another level. Um, and bringing in Dixon, you know, he has a, a history with the Rams with Kevin O'Connell, and so to think about getting a guy like Dixon to come in here, given what kind of the MO has been for the Broncos defense, mm-hmm. everyone kind of remembers, especially the Von Miller days of kind of what their identity has been in Denver with that defensive line. So to see him come in here, I think it'll be great to, you know, again, add some more talented uh, coaches to come in and help scheme and put these guys in the best position possible. So to be able to sign these guys and bring them in, I think it's great to get them in now, or at least to have Dixon in now and have Pettin um, even more engaged with with what we're doing defensively um, as they go in to try to figure out what's going to happen during combine season. So you got a couple weeks till the combine. These guys are all going to be you know, putting their their heads together and trying to figure out exactly what we got and what we're looking for. So looking forward to seeing these guys get into the stable. Yeah, I think just my last thoughts on just the the Marcus Dixon hires, when you look at the the numbers, uh, in his second season in Denver last year, Dixon coached a defensive line that helped the Broncos record a league-leading 15 fumble recoveries last year. And uh, we know this is a league where if you're on offense, take care of the ball. If you're on defense, take the ball away. And uh, the fact that he understands how to get his defensive line, we're not even talking interceptions mm-hmm. here, his defensive lineman to take the ball away and give it back to our offense, I think that's something that, in my opinion, Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores were very high on when it came to, all right, this is what we want this position, the identity to look like. And I feel like Marcus Dixon, the resume he put together matched that identity. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like in 2024. And as big as that key metric was last year for our team, just the the turnover battle. And that's the thing, anything you can do to kind of pull that back towards the, you know, even level or even get to the plus level when it comes to the turnover numbers, you know, I think being able to have a guy who helps, um, you know, defensively, the old adage, especially when we were kids, was the idea of, the ball's on the ground, just fall on it and let our offense go to work. And in the NFL, that's not the deal anymore. It's the idea of you get a chance to make a play, you pick that ball up and you run as fast as you can to get to the end zone. So um, being able to have a guy like him with the mentality, it feels like to really be, you know, looking to to make a play and to be a difference maker there in defense, it'll be great to have his his attitude there at the defensive line. Nice. Well, I want to end this podcast on a, on a lighter note. One, Josh Mantellis. Did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. uh, co-hosting Good Morning Football two days last week as a guest host. And um, there was I, I retweeted a, a segment that Good Morning Football did with Josh when he was breaking down a couple of plays against the Chiefs last year and what he saw. And to see him break that down in, in real time, you, you felt that he felt that he was actually in that moment again, mm-hmm. which ultimately gave fans the perspective of being in that moment with them. So um, I, I really do believe – 
whenever he decides to hang up his cleats, whether that's five or 10 years down the road from now, he's going to have a bright future in the media realm. He's super comfortable. And, yeah. and we've we've seen that when we've had him in here doing our show and uh, some of the other things that he's participated with VEN. He just feels like a natural, and so yeah. it's great to see him do that. I also know I think he had a big week because he did that for Good Morning Football, and then he went on the power trip to play the initials <laughs> game. So like that guy was making the media rounds. Uh, yeah. But it, it's great to have a guy like him um, who's been, you know, matching the play on the field with what he's been doing off the field here in the offseason. And I think that guy, especially he's somebody who's earned it going from practice squad to mm-hmm. basically a full-time starter and, and in multiple positions. So it, I can't be happier for a guy like that who's earned it yep. completely. And yep. I hope that he's on this team playing football for a very long time. Well, I don't, I don't know if we've earned this last comment that I'm going to make just now, but have you been following the the New Heights show fan poll on Twitter for best team name? I have, casually. Okay. I, I saw that that it, it turned into a thing, yep. and I saw that uh, we were reacting to it, but yeah. Yeah, so the Vikings were voted as the best team name in the NFL, according to New Heights show. Uh, we edged out the Pittsburgh Steelers in the bracket finals, uh, winning 60 to 40. So we had a 60% fan vote to a 40% fan vote for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Steelers are a good name, but... Mm. One thing that stood out to me is that for people that are listening to this podcast and say, okay, whatever, like who cares about best team names? I I get it. Like a best team name is not going to win your Super Bowl. But 40,000 fans voted on this. (laughs) There were over 700,000 views on Twitter on this fan poll. So Mm -hmm. people actually care about this. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Take it for what you want, but the Vikings were voted the best the best team name in 2023. I, for one, am biased and say, yes, it is the <laughs> best team name that is possible. So for me, I, I, it's fun. You know, you can definitely tell it's the, the silly season, the off season, yeah. uh, when this is the kind of stuff that comes out. But um, I, I, I think it's, you know, honestly, what it really shows, though, is that people identify this team, this name, this brand with, you know, something that is that is positive. And I think, you know, as the team itself, you're looking at this saying, if the fans are invested or, or casual fans are even invested there, whatever we can do to keep them engaged and to keep them kind of looking at us as an organization as something that they want to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, we ultimately know that uh, if you win a bunch of games, everybody loves you. And when you don't, it gets a little more difficult at times. But in general, one thing that I think this organization takes pride on is knowing that as a as a brand and as an organization, we want to do things the right way and to represent their fans the right way. And I feel like there's a lot of strides that this organization takes. So when people go through and do something like this and say that, you know, Vikings is the best possible name <laughs> to have for NFL team, I think they will gladly take it and kind of put that as a feather in your cap. Nice. Well, as we look forward, there's a lot to look forward to. And Vikings fans, make sure you stay tuned for the most up-to-date coverage of the team. But before you look forward, you will actually have an opportunity to look back on this recent Minnesota Vikings season. There is a three-part series called The Voyage. We all love The Voyage. Mm -hmm. And some of the storylines on this year's show is Justin Jefferson's rise to stardom, Kirk's MVP first half of the season, and the explosion on the scene of rookie Jordan Addison and Brian Flores in their first year of dominance in the NFL. So uh, that will be posted each week through the NFL combine on Vikings.com, the Vikings YouTube page. And it will also air on Saturday nights at 10 PM central time on Fox nine, starting this week. I'm looking forward to watching that. There's multiple places. Vikings fans can tune into that. And uh, I don't, I don't know if it's trauma or if it helps people just come to terms on what happened uh, this past year, but 
Uh, our Vikings Entertainment Network team do such a phenomenal job uh, year in and year out, making sure we tell the best stories of the team. Yeah, I think the the thing about the voyage is they put so much time and effort throughout the year to be able to tell that story. And um, the people that are working behind the scenes on it, I mean, it truly is working on an NFL films level style of, of production. And those guys and gals that are working on that, that production is just amazing. And so I always look forward to seeing because you really do truly get behind the scenes access that you would not normally get. So make sure to tune in, whether it's YouTube or any other place that you can get your uh, Vikings Entertainment Network video. Uh, the voyage is, is totally worth your time and, and enjoy it as much as possible. Well, it's a new season. That is correct. It 2024, is new, baby. 2024, every team is 0 and, well, zero and 0, 0 and 0, however you want to say it. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what this Minnesota Vikings team looks like. As we move forward, there are, going to be, there are going to be a lot of Vikings personnel on this podcast, so stay tuned. We're going to try to keep you guys informed and entertained as we move forward, hoping for the first ever Super Bowl victory for this Minnesota Vikings team in 2025. Like I said, like I ended the show last week, let's get Jay Notes in the ring. Let's get him a Super Bowl <laughs> trophy. So uh, for Jay Nelson, Eric Davidson, and Tatum Ever, who can make it today, and our special guest, Paul Meatsauce Lambert, my name is Gabe Henderson. Thank you guys again for tuning in to another edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. 87% of our food comes from rural America. Farmers are incredible. Agriculture is incredible. And rural is incredible. Lando Lakes is a farmer-owned cooperative and proud official sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skin care treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. For more information, visit MyPureLux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.mypurelux.com backslash Vikings.